In Your Corner, we are back at it, one eight three three in your corner or help at inyourcorner.ca through email. Very simple stuff there. You want to catch the uh, TV show, Global TV, In Your Corner. Yeah, that's what it's called, Sundays at 8.30. Make sure you tune into that uh, every weekend, for that matter. Savan, how are you, pal? I'm great. How are you, Johnny? Good. I know uh, James is off doing stuff uh, this weekend, so he'll return next week on the show. But you have a bunch of things to get through today, including uh, some emails from the week that was. So what's going on? All right, so let's start off with an interesting situation. Uh, you know, John, whenever we start a legal claim against uh, insurance companies for long-term disability claims, oftentimes we, we get through a mediation, which is where we end up resolving the case with the insurance company fairly quickly. But in some instances, we get the pleasure of uh, discovering or asking questions of the adjuster who cut off our, our, our client right. from disability or, or deny the claim. And so one of our associates, very, very bright young man, uh, Albert, uh, I, I say young, relative to me, he's young. Uh, w- he had the opportunity uh, last week of examining, of questioning under oath a long-term disability adjuster, this, the adjuster who had actually made the decision to cut off my client okay. from long-term disability. And he got some interesting admissions under oath in the presence of the insurance company's lawyer. Let me tell you some of these interesting admissions. The first admission that he got was that she actually has no training on how to interpret the long-term disability policy. Perfect. So get this, John. They decided to cut off this person, our client, from long-term disability because she thought, this adjuster, that our client... Actually, let me just back up. She concluded that our client uh, condition... His condition did not meet the definition of totally disabled under the policy. Remember, you have to show that you are disabled under the policy to qualify for benefits. Mm -hmm. And so she had made that determination, but she admitted that she had no formal training or any training through her insurance company employer in interpreting the policy. Well, how can a person be in charge of cutting people off or making decisions as to whether or not they qualify for disability when they have no training on how to interpret that contract that is the relationship between the insurance company and the person. So that's the first admission. The second admission, which was really eye-opening, is that apparently the insurance company, before they cut our client off, had not paid our client the correct amount of benefits. There was a miscalculation. Okay. And again, we caught that and we put that to her and she admitted under oath that they had made that mistake. And the third stark admission, which is really, really interesting, is that she had said that she had made the decision that our client did not satisfy that disability criteria, did not meet the definition, after she had reviewed all of the medical documentation that was provided to her. And so she said she reviewed everything, and based on that, she made that determination. And so Albert took her through the medical documents. And you know, John, if you've ever seen a doctor's handwriting and some of these records were doctor's handwriting, no one can read it. (laughs) And guess what? That adjuster also could not read some of that handwriting. So how'd she make the Good question. Good question. And so I, what he told me is that by the end of the discovery, by the end of his questioning, he thought that she was, like she was about to cry. She was about to cry. <laughs> and why am I telling you all of this? Because, you know, people are cut off or denied long-term disability every single day across Ontario, across British Columbia, which is where we work, mm-hmm. both provinces, I'm sure across the whole country. People need to understand that when the insurance company cuts them off or denies their claim for long-term disability, that is not the end of the road. Here's an example of us, you know, holding their feet to the fire, of us getting admissions on record that they have done things incorrectly. And you know what's going to happen with this case? I'm going to forecast out right now. I'm going to put money on it if I was a betting man, which I'm not. Uh, I would say that 
within a matter of months, a few months, the, that insurance company will come to the table and try to negotiate some kind of a resolution because they know that if this ever saw a courtroom, if this ever went before a judge, a judge would be so hard on the insurance company and he would make them pay a lot more than what just a claim is worth. That adjuster's going to become knocking on your door looking for a gig. <laughs> you know what? But <laughs> that's the reality. You know, a yeah. lot of these adjusters just don't do their jobs correctly. And again, I'm not knocking all adjusters. Some of them are very competent. Some of them are very experienced. Sure. Clearly, this is an example of an adjuster who simply does not know what she is doing. And I think this is endemic across the industry. I've seen myself in many cases where insurance companies have made mistakes. Sometimes they take deliberate steps, which I disagree with, but many times it's just mistakes. They are overworked. They have a ton of claims. They have a certain master that they have to serve, which is not you, the client. It's the employer. They have to make sure they get claims off the books. And so things get mixed, you know, and this is what we do. We, we go after them. We take the fight to them. We make sure that insurance companies pay our clients what they are owed by law. You know, it's funny you mentioned who their master is. And, they, you know, when you first start talking to your adjuster, man, are they friendly. They're like your best They're friend. always friendly. Well, almost always. Yeah. yeah. I've had people, I mean, I've, I've seen people, you know, sort of, you know, like protect even the adjuster. You know, when, I, when they come to me because they've been denied or cut off disability or even in injury claims, but they've been dealing with an adjuster and the adjuster initially is so nice, you know, they're talking about their kids and their dogs and cats and whatever. And then, you know, the time comes and suddenly the person says, well, I'm sorry, I have to cut you off or I have to deny your claim. And people are just, you know, they don't understand. I mean, but you're my friend. How do you explain that? Adjusters are not your friends. Adjusters have a job to do. They are trained to do their job. And their job is to protect the interests of insurance companies. Now, that's not what technically under the law they're supposed to do. They're supposed to be looking out for your best interest. Right. Remember, what is insurance? Insurance is supposed to be peace of mind. That's what you're sold. Next time you see a, you know, a, 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 a commercial on TV for an insurance company, and you can just think immediately of, of the names, the brand names out there. Yeah, I'm it's not all say warm them. and fuzzy. It's all warm and fuzzy. We're going to be there when it rains. You know? yeah. And by the way, this is house insurance, travel yep. insurance, auto insurance, but specifically long-term disability. This is when people are disabled from working. They can bring the money home that they need to pay basic expenses. And in addition to having to deal with their illness or their disability, now they're getting hit from the other side by an adjuster who says you're simply not disabled enough? Absolute nonsense. And we challenge that, and we challenge that successfully. Just getting stoked. Lots more to go. Taking a short break to reach out, contact one eight three three in your corner help at inyourcorner.ca as well. And if a reminder, catch a global TV show In Your Corner. That happens Sundays at 8.30. Lots more In Your Corners on the way on Global News Radio. You want to reach out anytime, get a hold of Savan or his team. one 833 in your corner by the way, is a good resource for you. Ask your questions there. They will be answered by a very competent and uh, timely member of the uh, of the team at Savan's firm. So get to that. And, of course, email is simply help at inyourcorner.ca. Uh, week that was, you got a couple more cases you want to talk about, yeah? Yeah, well, let's okay, talk man. about that email, help at inyourcorner.ca. I'm yeah. looking right now at an email that was sent to me last week uh, by a gentleman, and here's what he writes. He says, good day. My name is, and he gives his name, I've worked for a company for 20 years. Two years ago, I had a back problem that kept me off work until now. I received long-term disability for the first two years until my insurance company determined that their definition of totally disabled did not fit my condition, meaning that I I don't qualify under the policy for long-term disability. Says negotiations with my employer regarding accommodations began. I was informed that the employer was not prepared to offer severance. I have filed an appeal with my insurance company 
because I can't work, but I am totally overwhelmed with my lack of knowledge or comfort in the situation. Can you help? What a perfect email. I mean, I feel sorry for this gentleman and we're going to help him, but what a perfect email to read out so the people understand that they're not alone. You're not alone when you are disabled and the insurance company takes the position, whether it's initially when you first file the application for disability or afterwards, within months or a year or two years, or in one instance, we have one right now at the office where the person was on LTD for seven years. Wow. And then suddenly the insurance company woke up and says, yeah, we don't think you're disabled enough. Well, that's not going to fly. It's not, but they cut the person off. Yep. So, you know, with this individual here, he's asking, what do I do? He says he filed an appeal with the insurance company. What does that mean? Again, remember, when you are denied or cut off long-term disability, you are invited by the insurance company to appeal their decision. Let's translate that. You are invited to re-ask us to reconsider, but we're going to probably say no anyways. Nice. But please do it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm being obviously... Uh, you know, I'm saying what I'm saying right now. Insurance companies are going to take issue with me. They're going to, you know, I, I, I'm sure that there are adjusters out there listening who are going to say, yeah, but, you know, I approved this appeal last week and I approved the appeal. I would love to have statistics. And by yeah. the way, as far as People I know, they don't People win lotteries exist. too. Yeah, exactly. I'd yeah. love to have statistics of how many of these appeals actually work. Instead, what I see happening day in and day out is people who are frustrated by the appeals process, they'll go through it because they don't trust lawyers. Mm -hmm. And I understand why, right? We don't have the most stellar reputation <laughs> with all the advertising you see out there uh, and TV shows. But, you know, it's not a solution to trust the insurance company more. No. I mean, the insurance company is not in the business of helping you. They're in the business of making money. They are making billions of dollars for a reason. And one of the techniques that they use is to cut people off deny their claims, and then hope and pray that individuals out there who are legitimately hurt will simply walk away from their rights. So this gentleman here, we can help him. He also mentioned severance issues with right. his employer. Again, remember, we have employment lawyers. Many people out there listening, perhaps it's not you, perhaps it's a relative or a friend of yours. Think about people in your circle, right? We all have circles of friends, relatives. There's someone I'm sure that you're aware of who could use this information. And again, Lior has the employment hour, you know, together we really spread out this information. We, 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 you know, we're not holding it tight to our chest. You don't have to pay us for this consultation, you know, to get this information. Speak with me, speak with my team. We will tell you what your legal rights are. And again, if it's an employment issue or a disability issue, you will get the information you need to understand your rights. You know, it's amazing about that appeal too, because it's set out by the insurance company. They invite you to appeal and it does not reset that two-year clock from denial. And you'll do it three, four times and all of a sudden, guess what? You out of time. That's exactly it. Exactly. I mean, we have people coming to us who are, who've been denied three years ago and they've gone through three appeals and they've been denied. And now they're thinking, okay, well, you know, my friend saw your show or heard your show. They told me to call. Well, it's three years ago. I can't do anything about that. The time limitation, the two-year time limitation, uh, runs from the date you were first denied or cut off long-term disability. Or if you're in a car accident or a trip and fall, it's, it's from the date of the accident. So it's very, very important to understand that you have that time limitation. You cannot take for granted that if you pass it, that you'll have some argument. I didn't know the law or, you know, I, 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 I just simply couldn't do it. It's extremely difficult to get beyond that time limitation. But, but there's another practical thing people need to understand. Yeah. I have people coming to me who have not passed that two-year limitation mark, you know, that were denied a year and a half ago. 
and they've gone through, let's say, two appeals, and they were denied those two appeals. Here's the reality. If you had come to us when you were first denied, or in many instances, when you're cut off, you're told in advance you're going to get cut off, we could have potentially resolved your claim a year ago. So not only would you be now in, not be in the situation of having to come to us for help a year and a half later when you have no income coming in, we could have potentially solved this case within months of you contacting our office. So, you know, don't procrastinate. If the insurance company says they're going to cut you off, they're going to cut you off. It's very unlikely that they're going to reverse their position. Mm-hmm. And if you do, in fact, decide not to listen to us, you do it at your own peril. So basically, important safety tip, Egon, don't wait until you're actually cut off. You can, you can nip in the bud before You can it nip in, in the bud, down, exactly. Right? As soon as you are told you're going to get cut off and you and your doctors disagree with that, we can take the position that the insurance company is already in breach of the contract that is between you and them, which is that LTD policy. One eight three three in your corner. That is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca. That's the email uh, address from which we read. We'll get to more of those, and of course, the global TV show in your corner happens Sundays at eight thirty. Lots more of in your corner is on the way. Stick around on Global News Radio. One eight three three in your corner is the phone number. It is help at inyourcorner.ca. We'll get to some emails and some questions here in just a bit. But I think you got a couple more to talk about. Yeah, just one more. Actually, okay. it's not a case, but you know, I, I often Google the competition and I want to see what other lawyers are saying, and so. I have a printout here. I'm not going to mention the name of the law firm, but Damn I'll it. tell you this, John. They've been in the papers, and you know they, they got a lot of advertising across, yeah, I think uh, we know. across the province. Yeah, well, there's a whole bunch of these firms out there. But anyways, here's the thing. They have here on their website, it states, you know, the top 10 uh, common mistakes for, okay. for applying for long-term disability claims, uh, which is great. I mean, I love telling people what not to do, what mm-hmm. mistakes to avoid, except that one of the items here is missing appeals deadlines. Oh, come on. And, you know, again, listen, they have the right to put whatever they want. They may have a different opinion. I can tell you that if a lawyer is telling you that you should appeal your long-term disability denial or claim, as far as I'm concerned, they haven't been in the business long enough. I, I, again, this is all anecdotal, right? I mean, I, I'm drawing on my experience, on my partner's experience, my associates, people that I deal with in this industry. I would never appeal a long-term disability denial. And I wouldn't do that because you have zero leverage with the insurance company right. when you appeal. It, it's, it is a completely internal process within the insurance company. And the reality is that if you want to get them to come to the table and give you the money, that you are owed, you have to have leverage. You have to have something to hold over their head. And I'm talking now also from the position of someone who used to work for insurance companies. So you know. I know. I used to work for them. I understand, based on my experience working for them, what the claimant or their lawyers can do to force the insurance company to come to the table and bargain in good faith. And again, I will say this. If you go to a lawyer that tells you you should appeal, good luck to you. My position is, and it's unequivocal, absolutely do not appeal these denials. Come to us, speak with us, we'll give you your options. If after listening to us, if after we advise you, you want to appeal, God bless you, try it. If it doesn't succeed, then we'll help you anyways. The reality though is, you try those appeals, You'll probably get denied. You come back to us. We probably could have resolved it within yeah. a fraction of the time. I would like to almost call that firm, not to be vindictive, just to say, hey, I've heard that you know the appeals process is useless, blah, 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 and see how they, they dance around it. You know, John, I, so we spoke about, la- I think it was last week, uh, certainly on the TV show we did, 
where I told you that we had a lady that contacted us who went to a lawyer, and I actually don't know who that lawyer, I mean, I know who the lawyer is, but I've never heard of him, mm-hmm. who apparently charged this lady $9,000. I mean, that was the bill just to do the appeal. Damn. It's insane. That's uh, If we are taking on a long-term disability case in our office, you are paying nothing up front. Can you imagine, John, how, how I don't even know how with a straight face I can ask someone to pay right. for me to help 9, them when they bucks. literally have no money coming into the house. They can't pay their mortgage. That is insanity to me. So, no, if I'm telling you you have a case and we take your case on, we are now in the same boat as you. Our interests are aligned. We want to extract from the insurance company as much as possible. We want to force the insurance company to pay you exactly what you are owed, if not more. One eight three three in your corner is the number. By the way, you know sometimes sometimes there's there well there's many cases where a disabled person is not in the in the shape, whether it be uh, from a mental capacity or physical, to to fight the insurance company to uh, to go against a long term disability claim. Can a friend? Uh, family member, close family member, otherwise talk to you? Is there is there some sort of legally binding thing or can they give you a call? They can absolutely give us a call. And in fact, I think half of the people that end up contacting us are relatives or friends of people who need this help. Because, you know, if you think about it, people who are disabled, and I'm not talking about the extreme disabilities where there is incapacity, where somebody is in a coma or something like that. I'm talking about people who are very stressed. Usually we see this a lot with psychological and emotional types of illnesses and disabilities, PTSD, anxiety, phobias, things like that. We do have concerned relatives, the wife or the husband or the son or the daughter or grandparent, people like that. But we also have friends. We will speak with whoever wants to speak with us. We will relay the information. And frankly, if ultimately the person retains us, but they want us to speak with a relative of theirs, for that person to be the intermediary because they simply can't handle this, as long as we have authorization from the client, we have no issue doing that. We understand. We understand the stress people are under. Which brings me to another point, which is, how do you deal with an insurance adjuster who understands that you are very stressed? You want your husband or your wife to speak with the adjuster on your behalf, and the adjuster says, no, I want to speak with you. That happens quite a lot. And here's the problem. The insurance company will understand very quickly that this is a very sore point for you. It's a pressure point. And they will press it and they will press it hard because what they're going to tell you is if you don't talk to us, if you don't go and meet with our assessor at so-and-so location, if you don't do any of that, we're going to cut you off. They always have that over your head. I think it's very unfair. I think it's unnecessary. But insurance companies do it because, again, they are betting that these tactics will bully you and make you walk away from money that they owe you. That's the whole strategy here. And this is why you need to understand that you actually have a lot more power than you think. It's a myth that insurance companies are invulnerable. They are not. They are entities with one purpose, which is to make money. As soon as you make them bleed money, their tune changes. They come to the table, they try to negotiate, and they move on to the next victim. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email. That's where uh, we are going after a short break. That and the phone call anytime, one 833 And a reminder again, Global TV show happens in your corner Sundays at 8.30. Lots more in your corners on the way. Stick around right here on Global News Radio. one in your corner That is the number anytime. Email to reach out, help at inyourcorner.ca. Aisha, you're up. Your, uh, your email is right here. We'll get to it. It says, my sister was sexually assaulted. Three years ago, and since then, she's been struggling with depression and anxiety. It's gotten so bad that she even tried to commit suicide last year. Late last year, she applied for LTD through her employer's benefit plan, and she was denied because the insurance company said that she was able to work in her job as an accountant. 
for the last two years, and that's proof that she could in fact work. That made things much worse for her, and her psychiatrist is recommending that she be treated at the hospital. Can you help her? Yes, Aisha, and I'm very sorry to hear about what happened to your sister. I can only say that whoever responded back from the insurance company saying that because she was able to work for the last two years, that that's proof that she's not disabled, that person's a moron. <laughs> and, and, and I would love to get that person under oath and just make mincemeat out of that person. And, and I would. And here's the thing, you know, oftentimes what happens is that once the adjuster makes that decision, no one necessarily is reviewing it from up above. So you can literally have a moron for an adjuster, which is what happens in, I think, many instances. And no one's reviewing this until we actually get into the picture, start a legal claim, and then internally the claim gets transferred to uh, someone at the insurance company, an adjuster that deals with litigation, that deals with legal claims, and there is a defense lawyer on the other side that is looking at now what's going to happen if this actually made its way before uh, a judge. And, and here's what I'm going to put out there to, to the listeners, John. I mean, everybody just heard the scenario, this lady who was sexually assaulted. She's obviously very in a very precarious situation. I mean, having tried to commit suicide, the doctors are saying what they're saying about hospitalization. I actually think this in this instance... I would not recommend that Aisha's sister settle with the insurance company unless the insurance company not only pays her the benefits, but pay, but also pays punitive damages. And, and what's punitive damages? We've talked about that before. That's reserved for the really, really terrible cases where right. you can tell that the insurance company has really acted maliciously, high-handedly, and is deserving of punishment. And we have cases, we have cases in Ontario, in BC, across the country, in fact, where judges and juries have come back and said, we are going to hit the insurance company hard, not only forcing them to pay what they owe, but going above and beyond that to send the message to the industry. You cannot do this. So this is important, Aisha. I want to speak with you. I want to speak with your sister. She has a case. She has a very strong case. And we are prepared to take it all the way as far as necessary to protect her. You know, we talk about all the time in the show, there's a lot of uh, crossover between uh, what you do and what Lior does with the uh, with the employment side of the firm. So what happens if you resign from work and then you try to apply for LTD? Well, you have to be very careful. I mean, what's the reason for, the, for you resigning? Right. Are you resigning because you're disabled and you feel that you can't do your work? You know, did you apply uh, for LTD shortly after you resigned? Remember that in, in the vast majority of instances, the, the way that LTD policies work is is they look at when you became disabled. So if you became disabled while you were still covered, meaning while you were still employed, you should be able to apply for long-term disability. But again, there are certain timelines under the policy. You can't simply wait for five years after you resigned or after you've been terminated from your job to apply for LTD. You're going to have a problem. So, you know, first of all, don't resign. I mean, Lior talks about all the time. Once yeah. you resign, you are essentially foregoing severance. If you feel that you have a problem at work because of a disability, again, we can help with both fronts. We can advise you what to do with your insurance company. You should definitely apply for disability, but you should also not resign. If the employer decides to let you go, to fire you, the employer not only is on the hook for severance, but potential human rights damages because under... Uh, our, our system here, uh, the Ontario Human Rights Code, you cannot fire someone, you can't let someone go who's under a disability. So very, very important. Don't take steps like that that could jeopardize both a disability claim as well as your claim for severance without consulting with us first. 
1833 in your corner is the number if you've not used it yet mydisabilityquestions.com you can go there ask your questions a drop down menu it'll be uh, James or Savan or a member of the team will answer those and you'll get uh, in depth uh, replies in that regard uh, the, the email by the way is help it in your corner.ca we'll bounce over to one very shortly after we take a, a short break here this is in your corner on Global News Radio Reach out, contact one eight three three in your corner and help at inyourcorner.ca. It's time for an email from uh, from Joshua. Thanks for writing in, Joshua. He says, uh, "My girlfriend's brother was in a very serious accident last month. One person died, and he himself is still in the hospital. The police charged the driver of the other car. I'm just wondering what we need to do right now, and whether we need to hire a lawyer now to deal with any legal stuff. A friend of mine is a paralegal, and she wants to help with the accident benefits, and she says that she'll refer him to a lawyer in about a year or so. He is badly hurt, and the doctors don't know if he'll even walk again. What do you think he should do? Well, Joshua, I think that we need to speak with him ASAP. When you're dealing with an accident of this severity, and by the way, I don't know, John, what kind of injuries this person suffered necessarily, but if you've suffered uh, significant injuries, and it doesn't mean you have to have broken something, yep. you could have had concussion, which is a brain, brain injury, injury. Yep. you know, anything that impairs you now from working or from doing the majority of what you usually do uh, during the day, whether it's going to school or, or otherwise, I mean, generally we deal with very significant claims, fractures and things like that. But if you're in a car accident, it's not your fault. You have a potential claim against that other driver, and particularly their insurance company who's going to come to the table. So here's what what you need to understand, Joshua, or what your your girlfriend's brother needs to understand. Certainly, you guys can go to a paralegal, absolutely. And, you know, paralegals have limited ability to represent individual individuals. They can deal with accident benefits claims. So so you know what, John? Let's back up for a second because we haven't talked about this for a while. If you're in a car accident... If you are injured because of a car accident, whether or not it's your fault, you are entitled to benefits from your own insurance company. That can be income replacement, right? Income in the event that you can't earn money now. Uh, It could be medical rehabilitation benefits. There's a whole slew of benefits you could be entitled to. Uh, You can incidentally apply for those yourselves. You don't need a paralegal or a lawyer. But in any event, a paralegal can help you with that. What a paralegal cannot help you with is if you are not at fault for the accident, and you've suffered severe injuries uh, going after whoever caused the accident and their insurance company. That's called a tort claim, yeah. That's usually for pain and suffering, you know, money for pain and suffering, future losses. If you now have an injury that prevents you from working or working uh, the way that you could before such that you're going to lose money in the future, you know, as well as a whole other type of of benefits that we can talk about. We can do a whole show devoted to this. Paralegals cannot represent you with respect to that. And my concern with having a paralegal handle the accident benefits claim at the beginning and then say that they're going to refer the person to a lawyer a year, a year and a half down the road is that if, in fact, the injuries are severe and it's clear that this individual here is going to have issues working in the future because the injuries are so severe, there is no reason to wait a year, a year and a half until we take action. We have to do it now. And, and that's what we do in my office. As soon as we recognize that a case, is like, a case like this comes through the door and we have somebody who's very uh, severely injured because of a car accident, we start both claims almost at the same time, as soon as we have all the information we need. We don't like to lose time. We don't like to compromise our client's interest by waiting too long. You know, we can afford to do that, but the individual and their family may not be able to afford that. So, Joshua, my, my advice is there's a lot of information that we have to unpack here in terms of how this accident happened, what the injuries are, the impact, what the doctors are saying. 
I would like to meet with you and your family. I'd like to go through everything. Again, there's no charge for this whatsoever. And then at the end, you guys can decide how you want to proceed. Get to uh, Jenny. Jenny is up next to her email. Again, help at inyourcorner.ca. Says, my father was refused LTD because apparently he didn't put in the application in time. He was late by three days, 72 hours. That's it. The insurance company won't budge. We appealed it twice. Is there anything that can be done? He's 56 years old and was earning $78,000 a year with bonuses. He has cancer and is doing chemo and radiation right now. Yeah, Jeannie, I'm very sorry to hear about what your father is going through. I, I know all about cancer. I've, I've had it in my family. Uh, very, very terrible. And, and and what's, I'm not going to say as terrible, I'm going to say just also as terrible, is that insurance companies, again, will use any excuse yep. to deny a claim. And, you know, I understand why the insurance company is taking the position that because he was late in filing in his application by three days, then technically, under the technical interpretation of the contract, he's out of time. But give me a break. Give me a break, especially when you're dealing with somebody like this who is battling such a terrible illness. Well, luckily, the law is there to protect people, companies as well, but people especially, Mm -hmm. individuals. And so there is a principle called relief from forfeiture, and it's used in a variety of contexts, and we've used that before. Essentially, all it says, all it means is that we would be taking legal action against the insurance company, and we would be asking a court in the legal claim document that we are preparing to essentially do away with that breach of a technicality. Our position essentially is that those three days do not prejudice the insurance company. It's not as though he comes 10 years later and says, now I want to file a claim. Three days, as far as I'm concerned, not a big deal. And guess what? Courts have agreed with this. You know, I always mention courts and judges. The reality is most of these cases never, ever make their way to court. It's too expensive for insurance companies to litigate this all the way. They're not interested. That's why they're interested in resolving these claims with us. Now, they're betting that Jeannie's father, John, is going to walk away from this case. He has, a, he has cancer. He has a lot to deal with. The family has a lot to deal with. That's what they're banking on. As soon as we start a legal claim against the insurance company, I am telling you right now, their attitude will change almost instantaneously. And if it doesn't change immediately, it will change down the road. They're going to come to the table. They're going to want to try and resolve this with us. Because if they don't, they're going to continue bleeding money on their defense team. And eventually, I suspect, if the facts are as Jeannie describes them, they're going to be ordered to to, to, to pay her father what he's owed under the policy. So before it gets that far, you're saying more than likely they're going to say, okay, we get it. No, we got a law firm after us now. Uh, okay, don't worry about the three days. Ah, don't worry about it. Not a law firm, John. The law firm. The law firm. Yeah. I see. But that's no, what they'll do. Like, yes. They don't yes. want to go to court. No, no, they do not. No. And listen, I, you can have a lawyer. It. Right. You can have a lawyer or an adjuster. You know, that take a hard line. That think that they have something to prove. Mm-hmm. So you know what? When they do that, then we fire up everything. I mean, yeah. we bring all of our the big weapons, guns, the big gun, everything, everything. Yeah. We have we have teams in place. We will take this as far as we have to. We hope we don't have to. We hope the insurance company will stand down. But if they don't, we've been known to take these cases all the sure. way. And and it's a very simple thing in our minds. If we believe that our client is suffering, if we believe that they've been wronged by the insurance company, the insurance company will pay. We're like a dog with a bone. We're not going to let them get away with murder. one in your corner is the number. Help at inyourcorner.ca is the email address. We'll take a short break. Get a few more minutes of the show to go here. This is In Your Corner on Global News Radio.
1-833 in your corner is the number anytime help at in your corner.ca we have the global tv show as well in your corner happens sundays at 8 30 in the morning so we talked uh, before about insurance assessments if a person's denied ltd can the insurance company force them to go one of their own doctors for an assessment before you start that legal claim against the insurer in other words go to see our doctor or we're not budget we're not moving uh, that's an interesting question, actually. In, generally speaking, when insurance companies ask you to go see one of their um, doctors or assessors, it's in the context of trying to figure out if they want to cut you off. Which, what you're asking here, John, is if a person is already denied right. long-term disability, can the insurance company then force the person to go to one of their doctors? As far as I'm concerned, no. And here's the logic behind that. If you are entitled to long-term disability and the insurance company says, we're not going to pay you, we consider that to be a breach of contract. We say that the insurance company breached their obligations. So think about this. If the insurance company now says, we want you to see one of our doctors, you have to see them. What is the basis for that? The basis has to be that the insurance policy requires you, but they've just breached the insurance policy. So how can they rely on a contract that they've just breached? Right. But that said, insurance companies do a lot of unreasonable things. Adjusters do a lot of unreasonable things. Uh, sometimes I, I, I try to understand whether or not, you know, the adjusters I'm dealing with were just plucked from the street from some lineup at a coffee shop and just put into the rolls. I just don't understand where they're coming from. Uh, so again, if you are uncomfortable with something that's happening with your LTD insurer, if you've been denied or cut off long-term disability, contact us immediately. Let us give you the information you need to decide what your legal options are. We will tell you what those are, but then you can decide what's best for you. And if you choose to walk away and if you choose to just do whatever the insurance company says, again, God bless you. Good luck to you. If you listen to us, you're probably going to end up in a much better place. Email address help at inyourcorner.ca. Shauna, up next, says I was denied LTD because I don't have enough medical support, according to my insurance company. I'm 56 and I'm thinking of retiring so I can access my pension. Will that impact my uh, impact my LTD disability if we appeal or fight the insurance company? Okay, so a few things to unpack here. Number one, Shauna, you've been denied. They say you don't have medical support. What usually what they mean by that is that they don't think they don't buy the fact that you are disabled uh, from working for whatever reason. So I would want to see what reports you've given them from your doctors that say that you are in fact disabled. Now you're saying that you're thinking about retiring so you can access your pension, John. This is very common. People who are denied long-term disability, there is a money crunch. They need money to come in. So they're thinking about accessing their pension. And whether that's for retirement or some other mechanism, here's the problem. A lot of uh, disability policies, in fact, the vast majority of them, contain provisions that say that the insurance company is entitled to a credit Mm -hmm. for whatever other money source you get, usually an income source. And in many policies that I have seen, they stipulate that if you get a pension, then they get credit for that pension. So if they're supposed to pay you, let's say $1,000 a month for LTD, and you're supposed to be getting, or you can get $1,000 in pension per month, well, then that's going to mean that the insurance company has to pay you zero. Nice. Right? So you have to be very careful of accessing your pension, and so doing a favor to the insurance company. Not only do you compromise potentially uh, further pension down the road, because if you access it early, you may be eligible only for a fraction of what you would have been able to get had you not accessed it until a certain age. But also you could potentially be doing the insurance company's bidding by giving them something they can rely on and say, look, you're getting your pension. That wipes out any LTD payment requirement. 
over the next X amount of time. So be very careful. If you're in that situation, again, give us a call. We will help you through it. You mentioned paralegals with car accidents. They can handle the accident benefits, but they're, uh, they're, uh, they're room to help you stop at the tort claim. Can a paralegal help you if you've been denied LTD? No. And, and what I mean by that is it's that you can go to them. They can help you with an appeal. Right. And, and I say that sarcastically, obviously, because we don't believe in appeals for LTD denials. They cannot start legal claims against insurance companies if you've been denied LTD or if you've been cut off LTD. And the reason for that is because the paralegals in Ontario, um, they only have certain boundaries that they can mm-hmm. operate with. And they can go to the Human Rights Tribunal, they can go to Small Claims Court, things like that. But they can't start legal action above and beyond those specified boundaries. And they know that. So be very careful of going to a paralegal if you are having a long-term disability dispute with your insurance company. I'm not saying that they can never help you. I'm just saying you have to be very careful. Their hands are often tied when it comes to dealing with the claims that we deal with. Got a couple minutes here. We'll slide in Christine's email very quickly. Says, I get a lot of anxiety when I talk to my case adjuster at my LTD insurance company. She always makes me feel very uncomfortable. She threatens to cut me off every time I ask her questions about my claim. My psychologist said that he can speak with her on my behalf. Is that a good idea? So first of all, John, I just want to say this, and I'm speaking to adjusters out there. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to bully people. I know that oftentimes you feel that's perhaps part of the job. You don't have to do that. And by the way, John, I have adjusters who are friends, very decent people, uh, people who know what they're doing. Unfortunately, I've come across adjusters who just think that they're high and mighty and and like to exercise this power that Mm -hmm. they feel that they have. I don't don't think it's fair and it makes me furious. And whenever I find that uh, and that happens and I get into the picture, I I don't take that lightly. And and I'll tell you, I, I make the adjuster feel Ten times worse. Now, to answer Christine's question, uh, be very careful of having your psychologist speak on your behalf with the insurance company. I'm not sure. I think there may be an ethical boundary here that might be crossed. It's one thing for your treating practitioner to answer questions that the adjuster has about your treatments and opinions. I've seen adjusters, I've heard of adjusters, even in my cases, that have um, spoken before I was involved with the doctors to clarify some of the opinions right. the doctors have given. But for the psychologist or, or any, anybody who's treating you to speak on your behalf, what does that mean? I mean, you know, they're not a family member. They're not, I just, I'm not sure that they are in the right place to do that. And, mm-hmm. and it's happened a few times that I've had people contact me and saying, you know, I have a really good doctor. I've known my doctor for 30 years. The doctor suggests that perhaps he or she will speak with the adjuster. Again, if it's to answer questions about treatment and any opinions that the doctor has given to clarify those, that's one thing. But to speak on your behalf as a representative, I think you have to be very careful because that could potentially also taint the doctor's objectivity if the doctor is ever called upon uh, in court, let's say, to provide opinions about your situation. Good for another hour, my friend. We'll uh, we'll take it from there. Leave the phone number, some contact for you. If you want to reach out to James or Savannah, remember the team, one eight three three in your corner is that number. Email anytime, help at inyourcorner.ca. And if you haven't used it yet, mydisabilityquestions.com. And make sure to catch the TV show on Global TV. In Your Corner happens Sundays at 8.30 as well. Till next time, this has been In Your Corner on Global News Radio.